Welcome to Interpro Christian Network Podcast, where we explore ways of evolving towards a more loving, inclusive, and embodied mystical Christianity. Welcome, ICN folks. We are extraordinarily excited to have a conversation with Christian, mystic, and prolific author Cynthia Bourgeau. And I might dare add a holy provocateur. I know many ICN folks are huge followers of her work, so we are very pleased to record a conversation between Cynthia, Paul, and Luke. I've known about Cynthia and her work for over 15 years now, but was able to attend a conference called Following the Mystics Through the Narrow Gate about 10 years ago. It was put on by the CAC, Center for Action and Contemplation. I was engaged by her wit and wisdom, but also her ability to transmit holy energies through song, chants, and mystical reflections. I was an avid fan from there on out, completely sold on her work, and have been encouraged and inspired by her ministry and offerings, to be sure. If you have not had a chance to listen to her Wisdom Jesus teachings from Sounds True, please do yourself a favor and purchase it. It is fantastic and revolutionizing. A beautiful way, especially for us ICN folks, to reframe the breadth, the depth, and the wisdom um, that Jesus and his story uh, offer us. So I highly recommend it. One of her recent books, The Meaning of Mary Magdalene, was a very transforming uh, read for me as well. And I've come into something of a meaningful relationship to and with Mary Magdalene over the last couple of years. And Cynthia's book elevated my understanding and experiences of Mary. In today's discussion, while focused on Gebser's influential work, it also weaves into many fascinating directions. And each direction is worthy of reflection and consideration. And both Paul and Cynthia offer powerful transmissions on the spirituality of embodiment, non-duality in Western thought, I thou spirituality, and healing work from a Gibsonian perspective. There's more in there too, and I know you're going to enjoy it. But before we jump in, I want to just say really quick, some of us may feel tempted to uh, maybe fast forward uh, past you know, doing a whole body mystical awakening before we listen to the podcast. You're completely free to do so, of course. But I'd like for us to do a quick whole body mystical awakening before we jump into this conversation. It's a full, very full hour and a half. It is dense. It is rich. But before we j- jump in, it's it's not just an intellectual deep dive into Gebser. Um, it, it is something that if we listen to it with our whole being, uh, can be something that, that builds us up, that encourages us, and enlightens us, again, not just in the mind, in the head center, but it has an opportunity to invite our whole being, actually, into this conversation. So take a few moments. Become more aware of yourself, your surroundings your interconnectivity with everything. Take some deep breaths. Enjoy this moment for what it is. So let's start with the heart. Move your awareness. Even if you're on a bus or you're in a car 
you're in your favorite place in the house or backyard, wherever you listen to podcasts, take a moment, breathe deeply, enjoy the move from your head to your heart. And I learned this practice from Paul a while back. Sometimes if I find my headspace being extra busy, um, whether by necessity or by distraction, I just sometimes tap my head and all the, the space between my head and my heart, tap it down and become aware of that beautiful attunement center where love is realized, expanded, and given away. Take a moment. Often, if I've tapped from my head down to my heart, I like to rub that heart space area just a little bit. The heart space radiates great love. Move down to your feet, those beautiful roots into the earth, into creation, into the ground. Wiggle your toes a little bit. I do this all the time when I'm driving. I wiggle my feet a little bit, reminding myself that I'm not just getting from A to B, but I'm participating in a great mystery, a participative mystery. We all are. So ground yourself, connect yourself to all of material reality. Breathe. Enjoy this moment. Enjoy the giving and receiving of life. Also take a moment to just enjoy and become aware of your spiritual womb, your belly space. This is where intuition resides. I like to quote my friend Luke here. This is not about what we know, but about what we're about to know. The belly space is such a beautiful center of intelligence, a place of great awareness. Breathe. Enjoy the moment. Now become aware of your, your head space, infinite mind, infinite awareness and receptivity. I'll remind us that including and integrating all of this, these centers of intelligence is not like changing channels, but becoming an integrated whole, a wholeness that your mind is a place of pure consciousness, connected, informed, and aware. So here we are. Sit back, bring your whole self to this conversation and enjoy. Hi, Cynthia. It's so good to see you. Hello, Pablo. (laughs) How are you? Oh, it's so lovely to talk with you. And uh, I I just, to begin with, I want to thank you again for, uh, this was a dozen years ago, your wonderful endorsement and blurb for my book, Integral Christianity, 
That was so gracious of you. And I tell people you, uh, you, you did that. And then uh, you, uh, when I asked you for one for my most recent book, you, you were busy. You said, well, it'd, be, it'd take six months to get to it. And I thought, well, I, I understand. So I, I went ahead. R Richard Rohr wrote the introduction and Ken wrote the afterword. Then I also want to thank you um, for your wonderful series uh, uh, on Gebser. Uh, I didn't get to read it until I was almost finished with the series. I, I wrote a 10 part series for our uh, Integral Christian Network uh, postings. And mine was geared m mostly towards uh, mystical healing in Gebser. And you, of course, you. You tackled the whole. You tackled the whole thing. What a brave thing to do! <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, it was. I just. It was just rich and wonderful. And so I wanted to thank you for doing that. Well, well, you're welcome. And the series goes on as I've. I'm just getting a few things off the desk right now, like U.S. taxes, so that I could go back and, <laughs> you know, the. The next couple of posts on what's a story that has, or a, what's a series that hasn't reached its end yet, uh, is still going on. Yes, uh, yes. Every time I finish one, you know, I wait for a little while, and then the next one, when it's sort of cooked, I say, okay, well, we'll we'll let this one out of the <laughs> out of the you know oven. And <laughs> well, you're a good you're a good cook. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad we're working together. And as I and Luke, as you run us through this podcast, I, you know, I think one of the exciting things is that we're doing this at all. I mean that, that yeah, time has come where this this fellow Gebser has suddenly landed on our plates in in two parallel streams without you know just almost like coincidentally if there's any such thing as coincidence but <laughs> but uh, yeah yeah you're you're speaking from my intro already cynthia i've got it ready <laughs> but it is this yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, i will save yeah. our juice but we're going into the yeah i mean sharing about all that's coming forth is we're i'm just excited to have a great conversation so i think we're already yeah. into it okay well uh welcome welcome cynthia and thank you so much for being here uh we're just really excited to have the conversation and, and open up this space for generative dialogue around Gene Gebser, integral consciousness, healing, the mystical Christianity, right? So many things that we're going to dive into here, but, um, you know, really it, it, it's, it's just this, there's been this sort of a rising of Gebser, uh, for both you and Paul, uh, at the same time. And, and it's much more than a coincidence, right? There's something, there's something coming forth here, uh, in the, in the broader realms that that seem to be bringing forth this this voice and these ideas and so yeah i really just kind of want to get a conversation going and you know i have some questions that i can throw out there but you know it's just a, a kind of flow between us and but i really kind of wanted to start with you know there's all these grand ideas but i wanted to start with kind of the personal uh just in the sense of you know, why Gebser? Why now? What is what is this emerging from and what is it doing in you both? Uh, kind of first on a personal level, and then we'll kind of, you know, spiral out from there. So, uh, yeah, Cynthia, if you want to get us started, that, I think that'd be a great place to start, perhaps. <laughs> well, you know, I could put a lot of fancy uh, retroactive uh, reflection to it, but 
the bottom line is it's very mysterious that it was more than a year ago when uh, I was leading some retreat sometime last, sometime fall 19, 2019. And I can't even remember whether it was the one we did at New York Open Center or the one at Claymont or maybe even the one in Minnesota. But somebody tossed into my my pile of books, Jeremy Johnson's, uh, you know, introduction, Seeing Through the World, and said, I think you'll really love this. So I took it home and, and I started to read it and it, it didn't speak to me at that point. And uh, so it sort of migrated to the bottom of the pile. And nearly a year later, it surfaced again. I picked it up and I, I read the first two paragraphs and was galvanized. It's like, you know, I was reminded again that you don't find books, they find you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for me, diving into Gebser, you know, I read Jeremy and I read him and I reread him and he read it. And he did a brilliant job taking the, taking the heart of a 550-page book in very, very small point-sized type and boiling it down into something that lives and, uh, and is eloquent in its own way. But I, I wanted to get into Gebser, and I did. And uh, when, I, when I did, I, it took me really about two months to work my way through it. Uh, but it was like seeing my life flash before my eyes. Uh, I, had the great, I had the great blessing of being educated in a high school by some very, very cultured people including a woman who was my French teacher who had uh, escaped from the Holocaust with her brilliant fa family. Her husband was a philosopher. Her son was a symphony orchestra conductor. And people who had this extraordinary feeling for the depth and breadth and brilliance and intricacy of the Western civilization. And I found myself being called, you know, back to everything I'd ever learned in my high school French classes and my, you know, uh, to try and just hang with this book. But it was with this extraordinary sense of reconnection with my own roots uh, and with the, the great vindication that when, when Gebser actually spoke, he was filling in a lot of the pieces that I, that I had never, not found you know, fully satisfied in Ken Wilber's much more popular model. He, he was just flushing it out in another dimension that uh, that spoke to my own condition, that spoke to everything, and that gave me some tools that, that solved problems that I'd been bumping into for years. So that was my personal experience of it. Uh, I, I would say, particularly since Paul was doing the same thing at the same time, and we'll hear about that, uh, that we've been served a cosmic nudge. And one of the things that that Gebser made really plain is that you don't have to chase integral because it's chasing you. And that when it's time for this shift in consciousness to sort of uh, rise up in the world, it will. But I, I, I think that we've basically been, uh, uh, the eyes of, of a whole segment of people have suddenly been shifted to this work and they're, and they're digging into it and finding rich food. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank That's beautiful. Paul, what about you? 
Well, I uh, I was thinking back. <laughs> My short-term memory is not so hot at age 83. So I think I think I started reading Gebser just from some uh, online articles, and of course, my my because I knew Wilbur had uh, been influenced uh, by him, and of course, I'm I'm a I'm a, a great fan of Wilbur, and uh, and also you know uh, I, I I've grown with him enough to also see some places that uh, needed some shoring up. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I, I, I started reading Gebser and um, uh, it, it, oh, it's so, he's so dense and his language, I mean, I kept thinking, why, why don't you speak good German or <laughs> What, whatever, <laughs> why you keep inventing new words. And uh, uh, later on, I changed my mind about that. But what, what I began finding is uh, I began, even though I didn't understand a lot of what I was reading, I felt there was a transmission going on. Something was happening deep inside of me. Um, and and with Wilbur, I, I kind of have majored on translating Wilbur into a Christian framework. And when I read Gebser, I found that Gebser translated me, <laughs> something deep in me that he, that he, he, he brought up <laughs> that I, I didn't know I'd been missing. Uh, just, uh, uh, just uh, incredible. And, um, uh, it, it was also extra exciting. Uh, uh, we, uh, for those listening who are not aware of our, Luke and I started a group, uh, a movement called Integral Christian Network, which uh, is a movement to, um, to bring back or introduce uh, a... Uh, a more embodied spirituality that's less head-centered and more heart uh, and gut-centered and um, also a collective-centered. A, a lot of meditation practices are done by yourself, even if you're in a group. And uh, so we, we've, we've, we felt like that, that this was missing. And uh, so... Um, and so we did, and we developed a, a practice called the Whole Body Mystical Awakening, which was uh, a um, a practice where we we began uh, dropping down to our heart, which uh, I I was so overjoyed at reading uh, uh, Cynthia's uh, Eye of the Heart that was just wow, uh, I didn't know somebody else thought that way, and uh, it was beautiful. And so we, we tell people when we're doing this exercise, drop down to your heart. And uh, we, uh, we begin there and we uh, get in touch with our own inner uh, self, which would be uh, for Gebser. Gebser relates that to the mythic structure. And the, uh, it, it's, it's obvious that the, the language of the heart is, is stories and metaphors and symbols 
and uh, and this rich relational uh, love environment and uh, and then we we drop down to the feet which is a more grounding uh, thing to the embodiment but then we move up to the womb or what what Gibson calls the visceral and uh, the gut and uh, we call it the spiritual womb that we think everybody has a spiritual womb whether you have a physical one or not and it's the source of our uh, our divine identity and uh, and as Gebser so glowingly points out it's the source of the mystical or he calls it magic to, to find that somebody of Gebser's uh, magnificent intellect and consciousness uh, emphasized the mind, the heart, and the gut like we were doing in our meditation was a tremendous affirmation of what we uh, we had come upon. And uh, so that was that was uh, wonderful. Hmm. And um, the, the other thing that I think let me, I found myself, I'm such a head person, and and uh, I found myself in the in the magic of the mystical, letting myself sink down into that which I was already practicing, but always had my brakes on, you know. Uh, I mean, prayer and healing, and you know, talking to Jesus is a very mystical, magical thing, and so I, uh, his framework, uh, his approach, uh, let me. Let me personally sink down into that more fully and more trustingly. And uh, I began also then in the heart, myth- mythic uh, symbols and so on, uh, began uh, paying more attention to the archetypes and the stories and so on that, that my uh, mind-centered self had not been uh, all, that, uh, all that fond of. I appreciated young, but I... But I said, I don't know about that archetype thing. Well, now I do. <laughs> and uh, so the other thing that was meant a lot to me was uh, I, I had already been fascinated by Jorge Farrar from the California Institute of Integral Studies. And uh, his uh, critique of Ken is that the Ken, uh, who, who says he doesn't do ranking, but he does, and has a hierarchy. And Farrar says, uh, you know, uh, uh, hierarchy doesn't service. And so um, uh, to find that Gebser just so beautifully let, uh, let, let us, I, lo- I love Cynthia's uh, idea that it's, it's not ascending r- r- things. It's like going to a museum. And each room in the museum is its own masterpiece of medieval art and modern art and so on. And one's not better than the other. They're just each wonderful in themselves. And uh, I, I thought that 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 nailed it. Mm. So uh, I found myself being translated and transformed. And it's still going on. Uh, and... Uh, uh, um, there's still stuff I don't, I haven't assimilated yet, but the time thing, which is crucial that Gebser has, is I, I I can put talk about it, put words to it, but it hasn't uh, sunk into me yeah, like yeah. The mystical <laughs> and, and the mythical. Yeah, uh, 
and uh, you know, a few mystical experiences have have uh, deeply shown me the absence of time and the presence of past, present, and future. But uh, that's not uh, that's not a, a ordinary everyday experience, uh, like I experienced the the uh, the magical and the and the uh, mythic and the mental. So anyway, that's yeah. uh, I'm still being transformed. That's, well, well, yeah, we'll hold off on the we'll hold off on the time. We, we, won't, we won't go straight to the time stuff because that's that's really deep in the woods. But, yeah, I just love that that, you know, real resonance for for what we're doing in our communities. And, and Cynthia, yeah, just the that cosmic nudge that you mentioned, um, you know, how do you see that unfolding in, in the wisdom school communities and the, the work that you're a part of in? in both sort of how you're engaging with that in your broader collective and then and then also yes or how that voice is encircling out into into the culture through how you're seeing it well you know really interestingly i i think one of the things that made the difference for me in that year when the when jeremy's book didn't speak to me in 2019 and it and it 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 jumped down my throat in 2020 was one of the questions in my heart of course, like like most Americans watching what happened during the course of 2020, uh, was what was causing the, the the polarization and the violence and and I uh, I didn't I don't know whether it, you know how how guardedly I need to speak in a con uh, you know in, in a podcast without you know going straight out political, but there was there was a lot of stuff that was just cultish going on around the latter day uh trump like the the QAnon stuff with the i mean we were sort of descending into this kind of uh mass madness and i and, and i can't point my finger at at liberal politics either because people were turning on themselves and self-destructing you know getting backed into cul-de-sacs of identity politics where you know you you had to exclude everybody else in order to have the the purity of your own voice uh and it was just it's like what's going on here that this uh that there needs to be a deeper understanding to hold what's on un, unfolding in the country and and if you feel it is in some sense uh law conformable as Gurdjieff would say i mean it's just not erratic but it's behaving according to some uh some internal necessities we can't see. What are I? And for me, it was Gebser's map gave me the tools I needed there. Because his 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 first thing, as as Paul's alluded to already, was he completely knocked the developmental thing off. You know, he was able to nail that developmental is already captured in a middle perspective, which is only seeing things on a timeline. And he he replaced the idea of levels of consciousness, Gebser, with structures of consciousness so that they, they make their appearance on the timeline at a certain time, but that's not because they've evolved. It's because this is the moment when they open like my, like my orchid in on Thanksgiving. Why did it do it then? But it did. And, uh, and for get in Gebser's scenario, the, the emerging into culture of any new structure of consciousness uh, has an energetic early, what he calls an efficient stage and then a deficient stage. And the idea was that, that, that each one will have a kind of inner trajectory 
but when they become deficient, when they pass over and on this and and come down to it, and particularly when they uh, when you get into repression, uh, that that then you're just sort of sticking a genie into the box and it's going to bounce out. And what I could see pretty clearly was what was growing up around uh, uh, around you know the whole Trump camp was just this explosion of the deficient magical and the defi- deficient mythical. And, you know, I'm not quite as quick as Paul to jump to mythical being mystical and being wonderful and being heart. And, you know, it's uh, the mythical has got some pretty dicey sides, you know, and when, you know, when he, when, when Gebser says that the mythical, uh, you know, the story of soul begins in the mythical. And we, we can get seduced by that and say, oh, that means we live in the mythical. No, it doesn't. It means the story that's trapping you begins in the myth- mythical. And that, that the mythical configuration has got heroism, order, nobility, stability. Uh, but it's also got, uh, you know, societal oppressiveness, not a high regard for individual rights and freedom. Uh, and I could begin to see, as I looked at our situation through through Gebser's eyes, that the rational structure of consciousness, when it, when it entered, just savaged mythical and magical, just has no time for these at all. I mean, even in religion, I mean, Paul, you've certainly noticed it. When 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 mental structure really got got loose in Christianity, everything was being demythologized. Everything mm-hmm. was being rapidly downsized. Everything became political. There was no room left for the mystery. And so all these channels, you know, that the human being has a need to express the mythical structure and a need to express the magical structure. And if you insist in the dominant culture on on repressing them and uh, exiling them, they're going to come out in other ways. And 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 America, God love it, was founded in in mythical nobility, you know. And and when Joe Biden stands up there and says the souls of America and the soul of America and trying to we can do it, Americans, you know, he's he's trying to invoke consciously the power of the mythical to heal again and to pull us out of the uh, where we are is at the extreme sectoring, you know, atomizing endpoint of of middle rational consciousness. So. So Gebser has given some profound tools for me to ask, uh, how do I own the magic in me? How do I own the magic in, in the world? How do I, what is magic, really? Uh, what is mythical? Uh, and how do we perhaps approach the, the war that's you know, the, the, the culture war, if you want to call it that, that's ripping our country apart, not in terms of, you know, levels of consciousness, but in terms of structures of consciousness and a real clash between a, uh, a depressed, a repressed and excluded mythical and magical Mm. and a, uh, and an expended and nasty 
uh, reductionistic mental. And, and Gebser won't let us off the hook either because he says, well, you just can't clean it up and you don't, sorry, you don't transcend and include. Everything remains in its particularity. You, 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 you deepen and absorb. And so I know that I know that in my own personal effort to align with the emerging integral, uh, it, it means digging the dog deeper. It means finding a, a, a deeper capacity in my own being, not only uh, not only mentally, but physiologically, to support a uh, a deeper structure of congruence that can hold opposites and love opposites in a way that, that is just impossible in the mental structure of consciousness. Hmm. So these are some of the things that the, that, that the Gebser tools are calling me for. It's very, very practically applied. You know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually less, interested in the emergence of a new consciousness than I am in the, in the, in the holding together of the history of human civilization so that we can get through this tunnel and not, uh, not wipe out Hmm. 2,500 years of very good achievement. Hmm. Yeah, Cynthia, and you're really getting right at that that sense of, of the idea of integral and, you know, this longing for something beyond the flatland, right? Something beyond this sort of gridlock and this idea that we can just sort of transcend, go past it all, you know, get to the next thing, leave, leave behind the, I think you used a metaphor of, you know, someone in the corner frantically texting Uber so they don't have to deal with the horse and the carriage and right, you know, so, yeah, and you mentioned that it is very, you know, um, uh, embodied or, or, or similar to that, right? Where this, what, what is that? Well, we can't go back and, and we can't just kind of jump forward, right? So, so what does that look like in sort of in the body, in your, in your practice, in, in the wisdom of this? How do we, how do we, you know, put that on, so to speak, or how do we uh, see it unfold um, in, in sort of that? occupying of the rooms or, or how, how do you describe that? Well, you know, the one thing that I, I wish we could pull people back. I actually think there's a very, very strong dovetailing between uh, Gebser's theory and Gurdjieffian practice. And I, I say this with some sort of irony. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm airing this thesis publicly for the first time. It's even beat out writing a a post on it, but uh, and it's funny because uh, Gebser, what little he knew of Gurdjieff, he spoke of just terribly disrespectfully. Huh. There's you know he he knew of Gurdjieff only via Uspinsky and via you know what he'd heard about this was this Eastern you know charlatan, but uh, but essentially, as I was looking at at. Gebser in trying to see not only his his virtues but also the lacks the places that he missed uh, that he he keeps his he keeps his understanding and his presentation of this uh, of what this new uh, you know emergence is going to look like pretty cerebral and even the one time in the book where he came close to talking about the heart he was quoting Romano Gardini 
quoting, uh, you know, quoting Pascal, and he comes really, really close. It's it's like on page four hundred and four, I think, comes close to the idea that we can, that that the heart has a logic, and then he just can't go there. He immediately backs into thinking about two other alternative objects, but the the idea that the structures of the body are required to essentially bear the intensification. He, he gets the intensification, absolutely 100%. That's what it's going to be. But what he doesn't seem to get, at least strongly enough, is that intensification is not a quality of the mind. And it's not a quality of the emotions in their present state because they, they, they self-destruct, you know, they melt, you know. Uh, Feeling has a chance, emotion doesn't have a chance, but it's a quality of uh, strengthening the nervous system. As one of my, you know, one of my Bektashi Dervish friends in Canada used to say, uh, that that the body has to be prepared to to run up, you know, to be rewired from one ten to two forty, if you want to call it that, two twenty, uh, so that so that it can bear this intensification. And, and Gurdjieff is all over the practices that actually do that. Uh, that another one of the uh, fascinating little dovetails and weavings together uh, that's happened this year for our group has been uh, Joseph Aziz this year, who's a Australian uh, Maronite priest and a leader in the you know the Gurdjieff work internationally, published this past year for the first time. Uh, a public collection of 40 of the Gurdjieffian, the exercises he gave to students to, to help prepare this embodiment. And they're, you know, they're not unlike what Paul has been suggesting, although they work with a very, very, very fine calibration of learning to direct attention around the body, feed the body with sensation. Uh, it's a very precise story. Uh, method and and a number of my students took on working Gebs or and Gergjeev simultaneously, so that so that the 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 Gurdjieff exercises would be part of the practice that supported the Gurdjieffian or the Gebsarian uh, view, and it's from that sector of the students that I've seen the most extraordinary progress. I mean, that's it's it's actually remarkable how they've uh, you know how they've grown uh, way beyond me. But and and intelligence comes together, but it loses this breathy quality, and there's just this this kind of fierce, grounded, non-judgmental presence and competence that's growing up in these people. <laughs> And 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 I think they I think they're on the right track. I think they're talking to each other with a high degree of precision, uh, and uh, and 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 sort of clearing out a lot of the kind of uh, leftover pop language we get from the new age that doesn't make distinctions with a precise enough edge. You know, if anything, Gebser was precise, but I so that's been the best place I've seen it. You know, the folks that have just tried to read Gebser because it's, you know, Cynthia's reading it and it looks like a, a good intellectual thing are getting really confused. But the ones that do the practice, uh, particularly combined with centering prayer, 
are 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 really on a transformational path that's whose fruits have been stunning to me in in six months basically hmm. yeah yeah beautiful and that's that's the yeah the the absorbing of it uh, deeper than the mental right in ways that that move into the body and yeah paul you started to talk about that a little earlier yeah yeah that uh, cynthia is singing my song <laughs> uh i i noticed uh, too in gepser uh he gives a nod to meditation but he doesn't really advocate any practices and probably looked like doesn't have any what he had is uh, a few transforming experiences with Sri uh, Aurobindo. He had a transmission experience. And uh, so uh, what what, uh, the direction we have taken is, um, as I mentioned, uh, the California Institute of Integral Studies and and Jorge Ferrar, uh, in their graduate uh, uh, classes, they... uh, they actually have their graduate students lay down on the floor and have a, uh, an instructor uh, touch them or lay on them, on their head, on their heart, on their gut, and on their feet. And um, when they do that, and then they ask, they t- ask the students, what do you experience? What do you know? And Jorge calls these centers of spiritual knowing. And wh- when I was reading Gebser, I thought, ah, oh, that's what Gebser calls structures of consciousness. And uh, they have, uh, and this practice has uh, re- been going on for many years in other contexts, actually a spiritual context that originated in a charismatic context. And uh, I was fascinated by that. And as we developed a whole body mystical awakening, uh, we thought probably it wouldn't, wouldn't do for our groups around the world to lay down on the floor and people have lay on them, have people lay on them. <laughs> so that might be a little much. So uh, we, we settled at least initially for self-touching, uh, touch our heart, uh, touch our abdomen, uh, our feet are already touching the floor, just wiggle them around, maybe touch our head. And what we find that those centers, as we touch and and put our attention there and even breathe from those areas, uh, there is a spiritual knowing that com- comes out. It's kind of what, uh, what Paul uh, calls gifts of the Spirit. Uh, gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament were, were kind of ways of, spiritual knowing and doing and uh, acting that uh, would vary among people, but uh, there are ways that you access uh, how you should think and, and what you, what you experienced and, and how to act from that. And so uh, we have found that uh, I found in my life, uh, uh, the, the specificity of those, those four centers uh, really came alive, and, and the embodiment made it uh, made it wonderful. And it's a practice that makes the difference. So uh, we we haven't done this well enough with our groups around the world to know if uh, how, how many people this fits for. I mean, I meditation doesn't always fit for for everybody. 
my it doesn't fit for my partner. Uh, I asked him to try meditation one time, and he went for two minutes, and that was it. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how, how widespread our particular practice of it's a practice of structures of consciousness, and these centers of spiritual knowing will go. But it, it's been incredibly fruitful with the people who are part of our we space groups as they learn to access those centers or structures of consciousness and move out to one another and even to the world in the uh, the morphic fields or the fields of resonance and, and collective fields of energy and uh, it's been just exciting to behold uh, that happening in the last couple of years Yeah. So, you know, we've, yeah, Gurdjieffian practices and from Ferrer and there's different ways of, of moving into this for sure. But it seems like, like the embodied way of, of inhabiting, uh, an openness to the rooms of the museum, uh, to use your metaphor, Cynthia is, is paramount and, and probably still discovering some of, of what that can look like in, in various ways. And, uh, you know, I kind of want to bring that to, you know, we, we, we get so much of our, our practice from from the East and uh, a lot of the contemplative tradition, right, has, has uh, you know, in the Christian contemplative tradition has drawn on that so well. And, um, you know, there's 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 some distinctions here that, you know, Gebser thought very highly of of Jesus and of Christianity as playing a very important role in the unfolding of integral consciousness. And so, you know, as we kind of Cynthia, you've been starting to explore bringing in this this Western uh, Christian, you know, mysticism. If we talk about, you know, this this form as it connects to integral, which is also uh, can be pretty rooted um in more Buddhist or some Eastern traditions. So, you know, how, how do these, uh, how do these, uh, kind of come together in a new way, uh, as that unfolds in our understanding and, and also maybe in those practices moving into, to the embodied way that they are. Well, it's, it's interesting there, Luke, cause I, I think there really are Eastern and Western modes of understanding non-dual and, uh, and rather than sort of getting lost in a comparison with spending too much time on the Eastern side, which I know less well, uh, to bring to the fore the, what are some of the features of the, of the, the Western understanding of, of, of non-dual, which is, is less like the drop dissolving into the ocean and much more like the, the, the ocean becoming fully manifest in the drop. And sending the drop forth down the river uh, to, you know, to become a river. Uh, there's a one of the strongest differences, you know, for the the West has a strong sense of things flowing out in history. The West also, and and in Gebser particularly, a very very different appraisal of suffering. And one of the most striking things for me in in Gebser was his uh, was his insistence. That uh, that suffering is the price you pay for conscious emergence, and that it's it's not to be avoided, and that it can't be uh, it can't be essentially programmed out of the universe, nor does it make any point to dissolve it, because if you dissolve it, you dissolve back into an original oneness, and then you have to start all over again with form. Uh, but that 
while while nobody has much time for stupid suffering, you know, the, the suffering which is uh, which is incurred by, you know, as one of my Buddhist friends called it, squeezing the tech cactus, you know, our neurotic programs for happiness. Uh, nonetheless, uh, in Gebser, uh, the and in the West in general, the sense of a kind of transformational suffering endures. And and he he sees this and he writes beautifully in a couple of places in in, in Christ and you uh, as as the model uh, of a Western turn toward non-dual realization. I could dig over and pull out the book, but I don't know if anybody wants to spend time on a podcast quoting scripture. He's got he's got some beautiful beautiful things he has to say about it. the The other thing that that you feel, and I, I would want to only affirm Paul's sense of a transmission going on in this. Uh, you feel Gebser's deep mystical love for Christianity and for Christ. Uh, it's, it's as powerful as Teilhard's, actually. Uh, and and it, it winds up saying very much the same thing, that, that there's a, uh, that there is something so intrinsically whole, beautiful, real, and sacramental in the path of emergence as it, uh, as it, as it filters through integral in a Christian mode. That it really is, uh, not only is it uh, absolutely necessary for the full realization of integral, but that there would be no realization of integral without it. So and and for me this is amazingly good news, because you know one of the things that 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 Ken did, rather in addition to just sort of flattening the whole thing onto a developmental perspectival curve for explaining it, was uh, he gave it an Eastern ambience. He made it basically a you know a Buddhist slant to the whole thing, and that basically goes against Gebser's own deepest. Uh, metaphysic and obscures it. And when you when you dig in more deeply to how Gebser makes his connections, there's powerful material in this book for the implicit reclaiming of a non-dual Christianity at a level which is uh, internally self-consistent uh, and and not only mystically valid but 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 efficacious in a powerful way. And uh, so I pay attention to that. Uh, I wish I knew more about where Gebser came by his, uh, this deep Christic heart of his, this deep understanding, because it radiates out from the book. He doesn't make a big deal about it, but you can't miss it. And his, his respect and his faith for the integrity of the Christian soul structure uh, and his encouragement to dig again, dig in, dig deeper, but don't give up on the bucket you're you're carrying if that bucket is Christian, uh, has been for me a profound gift to to do exactly that. Hmm. 
Yeah. And there's, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of really great things that you're starting to unfold there and, in uh, you know, bringing in Tehard and his paroxysm of harmonized complexity and this yeah. sense of, of holding it all together. And, and, you know, one element we can, we can go there in a minute too, if you want Cynthia, but one element that that's very, that you just started to hint on at the end of your, your latest writing uh, was about the personal and, uh, you know, that's very much, you, you mentioned that with the ocean and the drops, and that's, that's a big part of, um, you know, in the integral or Wilbur has that sort of second person, that, that personal connection, which was of course, very important to Tehard and seemingly, like you said, to Gebser that we, we don't know, you know, too much about it. Um, but that's a really, I know Paul, that's been a really important, uh, element for you of your own Christian practice and, and form of, of integral spirituality and how that unfolds and, and just wonder what you would say about how, how that is important and how that fits and connects to all of this. Yes. The, uh, the, the, the postmodern cultural creative loss has been in terms of, uh, people with Christian backgrounds is the, the loss of a personal connection with God and Jesus and guides, uh, it's uh, I I I hesitate to talk about a personal relationship with Jesus because it sounds like I'm being a Southern Baptist again. <laughs> but the truth of it is that that's what that's what Paul had. That's what the uh, 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 people's encounters in the New Testament uh, with the subtle. Uh, Jesus in his spiritual body, that's what they had. They had conversations with him, and they had a personal relationship. And the mystics down through the years, including uh, Teilhard, uh, I mean, Teilhard had a personal relationship with Jesus's heart. <laughs> it was just, it was very, very powerful. And uh, and I and I find it uh, so interesting. I mean, for instance, Richard, who's just incredible in his writings and his span of, of depth, uh, never talks about that personal relationship with Jesus. One time in an interview on Integral, uh, 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 he was asked about his relationship with Jesus, and he said, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't say this very often because my uh, some of my students may be uh, put off by this, but I have a very conversational, intimate relationship with Jesus every day. And that blew my mind. I thought, but Richard, you never talk about it. Huh. Well, well, what a deprivation for your students. And of course, I can understand when you're talking with postmodern cultural creatives and you bring that up, they want to say, oh, that's. If that, that's what this thing is about, I don't want anything to do with it. But the thing is, it's it's part of that is what it's about. And so, uh, and same way with the Father Keating. Uh, uh, Father Keating, who's just such spiritual depth. Uh, but I, I've never heard him talk about a, a conversation with Jesus until a, a friend of mine uh, asked him about uh, did he have this kind of relationship with Jesus? And Father Kitty said, oh, all the time, every day I talk with Jesus. And I thought again, well, how come, how come you don't talk about that? And of course, he's, he's 
we all have our things to emphasize and you only have, have enough time and space and airtime to, to emphasize certain things. So I, I have felt called to, uh, to, to sort of reintroduce the second person uh, relationship with uh, spiritual entities. That is uh, not just other people, but with, with, with Jesus and Jesus had that kind of relationship with Moses and Elijah, two of his spiritual guys. And so uh, I feel like it is a, an essential, and I think Wilbur paved the way with his big three, first person, second person, third person. And second person, not only in the gross physical relationship of people, but in the subtle realm, which is where we encounter the risen Jesus and uh, Mary and other spiritual guides we may have. And so I, I find that that's, uh, that's been such a dynamic in my life. And it's always been a longing in my heart for Jesus to be real to me. And it wasn't until I was uh, 20 years of therapy and, and discovering Ken Wilbur and some other things that uh, Jesus started becoming real to me 20 years ago. <laughs> I was a Southern Baptist all that time and, and wanted that reality, but didn't have it very much. And uh, then, then as Jesus has become real to me, uh, he, uh, w one day I saw him, uh, uh, experienced him in front of me, and uh, he was about 10 feet away, and I said, could you come closer? And so he came up right in front of my face, nose to nose, and I said, well, that's a little too close. <laughs> and so he moved around to my side and touched my arm. And he said, is that okay? And I said, oh, that's wonderful. And I have felt that his touch on my arm ever since then. It's there all the time. And that means, very, uh, that means a lot to me, uh, that touch. Uh, you know, that's, that's what you have with your loved ones, with the, your beloved, uh, is, is that, uh, that touch. And so uh, I, I have found it as a, uh, as a, a, a very meaningful thing. And that does not leave out the cosmic Christ. Uh, Jesus uh, extended to his cosmic dimensions. I wrote a whole book on that. Uh, but uh, uh, that, that personal uh, connection. And for the people who are understandably have been abused in the name of Jesus. Oh, my gracious. Uh, in, in, in Christianity, uh, who are, are kind of allergic to Jesus now. Well, Thank God for our Catholic brothers and sisters and Mary and their uh, recognition and experiences with Mary. And we can have experiences with Mary, too. Mary's one of my guys. And uh, she's wonderful. And so there are, there are many ways to access the personal. Uh, even though Jesus is central to us, I can understand uh, the need for healing uh, for some before that becomes available. And the same way with God. Uh, God can be beyond us and you know, that wonderful way that, uh, that, uh, and, and that the new thought religions uh, like to emphasize and God can be uh, as us in our own divinity, but also God, God wants to be near us. And the second person form that Jesus called daddy or Abba. And, uh, 
that that is an incredible model. So, at uh, at uh, Integral Christian Network, we call we talk about the motherly fatherly presence of God. That is a personal connection with God as mother, father, one or the other, or both. And uh, it, 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 I, I know the first time I, I sensed God's presence and said, is that you, Daddy? Something happened in my body and my energy systems, and, it, and I started shaking, and I thought, what's going on? And I thought, well, I'm, 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 I'm learning how to change parents. <laughs> my, my natural parents were not all that hot. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I needed a new one. Well, why not let God be my parent? Uh, so that's what happened then. And that's been a very transforming personal relationship uh, with my heavenly father. And uh, now I know that. I don't want to make that exclusive. Uh, one of the first books I wrote was, is, is it okay to call God mother? So I want to affirm the motherly presence of God. But for me, I was missing a divine father. And uh, so that, that personal presence is, uh, is very important. Uh, I've, I've, uh, so, and mm-hmm. what I find is we find in our uh, We Space groups, People breathe a sigh of relief because they miss Jesus. They've come, they've been Christians, they've deconstructed, and whatever whatever they have left, they hold on to it and have, have some sort of a, a vague sense of God. And then, then when we say, you know, it's okay to go back and relate to Jesus, they say, what a relief. I've missed him. I've missed God's presence in that personal way. And so that's, uh, I, I feel very, uh, very good about that. And in the context of the three faces of God, where God is beyond us, God is beside us, and God is being us, is uh, they're, they're all equally valid, and one's not more important than the other. But there's a tendency for the people that are attracted to, uh, to uh, Cynthia's work and Richard's work and our work to cultural creatives to uh, be allergic to that second person dimension. So anyway, we're, mm. I think that's a very important thing. Yeah, well, and, we're we're wading into the 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 imaginal realm and the <laughs> and you know the the presence of 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 uh, you know guides with us and things. And Cynthia, certainly, that's something that you've also recently explored in the Eye of the Heart, and you know. Uh, this sense of, of the collective and the way that we uh, hold this, not just with those physically present to us, but with, you know, with with those other presences as well. So do you see that connecting to Gebser as well? Have you have you kind of tied some of those pieces together or, or how's that? Yeah, looking for you? Well, a little bit. I, I want to take a step back and talk a little bit more about the personal, because I think that uh, Teilhard gave us a really, really important, what you could call scientific and quantitative uh, framework in which to revision the personal. And, uh, and you know, it was a, an, excellent, an excellent thing because uh, when a lot of people bring this personal thing, they fall into what Ken would call a line-level confusion. And, you know, to say that Christianity is personal, uh, 
a lot of people say, well, that means that they're at a, at a more mature level or a more immature level. They're stuck in the personal. And there was the general assumption that, you know, that really, really became rampant from the melding of uh conflating of Eastern and Western models that says that when you attain non-dual, it becomes impersonal. You leave the personal behind. So, uh, and this was axiomatic. I think that's one of the reasons that Thomas was so reluctant to uh, speak of Jesus. Uh, then I, I know sh certainly for myself that yes, he did indeed all his life have this deeply, well, most of his life have this deeply intimate relationship you know, I think at the end that that moved out, but that's another story. Uh, the but Teilhard started to put some useful quantifications around this. To begin with, he distinguished between the individual and the person personal uh, that up to this point had been used synonymously. You know, uh, but he says no, no, they're very different. They're different stages in a developmental emergence. You know, essentially, that the individual is one who who, who thinks from within his or her own skin, who feels themselves uh, essentially in opposition to everything else. Uh, the the person is one who knows that she or he belongs to a relational field, a dynamic relational field. Charles Williams called it the co-inherence, that we're receiving and giving our being at all time from and with others. And the person uh, knows this. So, so essentially, Teilhard's theory of complexification consciousness says that the more, the more intricate a physical structure, the more webs and cross-references and relationships, the more... Uh, the more it's able to manifest consciousness. Uh, so, uh, so if you take consciousness as being, uh, as Ilya Delio said at one point, the exchange of information across complex relational fields, it, it follows that as you move higher and higher on the level of being then, that the worlds are going to become not less personal, but more personal because there's more exchange. There's more of a realization at all levels of being part of an interface. And that if you also begin to experience it from the point of view of pure sensation, you know that the, the, the signature of the higher realm is intimacy. Is this, and since you might call it objectless intimacy, because it, it, you discover it doesn't depend on a, a daddy God and a, and a, and a, and a imploring creature, although it can play itself out at that level. That's how it'll play itself out at the, at the mythic level. And that's great. Uh, and, uh, but it's intimacy remains. Intimacy is the direct presence of, of the real God heart at the center of everything and at the center of the center of everything. And it's the foundational energy of the universe and you can't call it energy because it's personal. The terms come back together again at that point and they become one. So, so Taylor got us used to thinking about that, that, that there is a deeper, there's a, what you might call an integral personal, that there's a, an experience of the personal that doesn't, you know, that that doesn't mean 
ego to ego, but means, you know, an unboundaried flowing in this intimacy without it destroying particularity. So that's what we're talking about. So with that as the backdrop, then to your question, the, the, the answer is yes, of course, uh, that, that if, if you take that these what we what we like to call our guides, for lack of better term, uh, are are at higher levels of being, are in higher realms, because of the the great attainment and beauty of their hearts. Then of course they're going to be personally available, and we're going to experience them as personal. And I think it insults them to, uh, you know. To say I like your energy, you know, it's like it's like taking your your beloved to to bed, and instead of saying I love you, beloved, saying Oh, I love your energy. I mean, it's it's off putting uh, that, and it's it's caused us in the name of higher evolution to turn everything into this I it relationship with energy, whereas Teilhard says it's really going in the other direction that as we come closer and closer to that point of the sheer immolation and fusion of hearts and the oneness, uh, the experience is thouness all the way. And, and in that thouness, the guides stop being guides. We don't have to clinicalize that role. I mean, they're presences. They're, they're, they're present, like all the beloveds that we've ever loved and called into being in our life. And, uh, you know, my my teacher and beloved Rafe did very much the same thing to me as Jesus did to you, Paul. Took me by my hand on my shoulders and said, "Be strong in God." And mm. I feel those I feel those two hands on my shoulders, right where he put them, at every day. And I knew in the moment that he was doing it, that he was he was telling something and sealing something that would last beyond time. Uh, you just, you know, so these things and, and, you know, Mary Magdalene waltzes in and out when she can be helpful. And, and Jesus came blasting out of nowhere to this poor little Christian science soul that I was and, and dragged me right into his heart in a Eucharist I took by accident when I was 20 years old, unbaptized on, you know, but from then on, there was no doubt whatsoever. These people live. These people uh, care for our planet. These these people care for us, and uh, you know. And I don't need to to take Jesus and say he's the only son of God, and everybody else is different. I mean, that's a that's a theory. I mean, I I, I put some of the I put the great mystics, the great saints of all the traditions, uh, occupying the same cosmic function of just drenching us in love, hope, clarity, uh, and love, and receiving from us what we have to offer, which is our love. So that brings us back to when we were talked about, I think we got a cosmic nudge from Gebser. You know, I don't know whether Gebser himself did the nudging. Uh, I know that nobody leaves a planet having spent this much of his life doing this work at this kind of spiritual depth without his soul being forever quickened. It, it's all I could say. I mean, as I look at some of these 20, 20th century guys I'd never even heard of, 
Kayard and Gebser about 20 years apart in age. And in this terrible, terrible age with the Cold War and McCarthyism and, you know, two world wars. And they're in there writing and holding this extraordinary Christ mystery with the deepest of reverence for the entire journey that humanity has come on collectively and individually. It's it's stunning. Mm. So mm-hmm. to have that reverberating back into our own time as assistants now when we so desperately need it, I can only take with gratitude and no little wonder. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that's um you know yeah, what Integral calls the we space, right? The the movement into those those collective spaces with with one another and with with those, like you said, for lack of a better term, guide or presences in the in the spiritual sense that that we can engage with in different ways. But I think what really comes through to me in, in your story, Cynthia, and yours as well, Paul, is there's this this element of that personal that really connects into our healing and how much of what's coming forth from Gebser seems to, to in some ways be connected to healing work. And, you know, Cynthia, you started out your series, uh, writing an invitation to begin the healing work. And, um, you know, this, you know, I would love to just explore a little bit of that, that, that healing element and, um, you know, what kind of healing might this be pointing us toward and, and how does that come forth in, in our lives? Well, I would, I would just start, I'm sure Paul will have much more to say on this because, you know, that's been the focus of your work there, Paul. Uh, I would say that it's really, really important to keep reminding ourselves that Gebser's primary eyes were on the collective. You know, one of the one of the things people got all very excited about the fact that the journey of the outer cultures seems to mirror the journey of the inner world. And so what they tended to do was to take uh, Gebser's structures of consciousness and turn them into stages of personal development. And uh, Gebser never went there. He was aware that there were were tendencies that were working in that direction, but his his real emphasis throughout the whole book is on the journey that humanity has gone through collectively and particularly as it's moved out, moved, expressed itself in social movements that have swept across uh, the, the face of, of Western culture, which is really what he's talking about. Uh, and he, he acknowledges that it's, it's merely his ignorance that, that, makes him not talk about the whole world, but he talks intricately about what he knows. But he watches things like we had the first upwelling of of mental consciousness with the Greeks. And then it sort of went away. And we had about 1,500 years to go through before we came back again to the the emergence of it in the Renaissance. And, And at one point, he says really elusively, well, why is this? And, and he pointed out that in a way that they had to go back and touch base and tag with the, the mythic and the magic which hadn't finished yet. And, uh, and it, it sounds like what he watches is how these, uh, these great new structures of consciousness wash like glaciers across the face of history. Uh, so, so you can't dehistoricize 
Gebser. I think it's a foundational mistake. You can't yugify Gebser. He remains planted in history. And so for there then, the healing for me begins not with the personal soul, but with looking widely at the cultural movements. And of course, to that, to the degree that the cultural movements are a function of individual souls aching, there's obviously a relationship. But the encouragement is to, you know, essentially get out of our own navels. There is no such thing as private enlightenment. There is no such thing as personal salvation apart from the neighbor. Uh, and so we do the work that's, that's required uh, to keep our own vessels clear and transparent so that we can be of service to a, a healing and an unveiling, which is essentially global in nature uh, and, and biospheric in nature. It's not just the human race. It's, it's that how can this, how can this planet emerge into a deeper and even higher and more manifest level of, 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 of polyphony, of, of, of systems intertwined, of, of consciousness within the earth itself, expressing itself in human beings. So, so for me, the, the most powerful tools that, that Gebser gives me are personal tools to ex explore where I myself have gotten stuck in paradigms that are too small for me and, uh, and diagnostic tools to look across this across the whole sweep of history. I mean, the, the biggest single change I've gotten since the time of reading Gebser is that I look at everything. I look at all these things, even my liberal progressive things, even the living school with Richard. I look at, you know, Richard and, and, and all. We're all trapped in perspectival thinking. It's all about, let's get my paradigm right, let's get my slogans right, let's get my little ordering principles that are always tripartite right. Uh, you know, it's just the deck chair of the Titanic and nobody even sees it. And, and for me, it's like, oh my God, this is worse than I thought. That to, but to develop a structure where we can tunnel beneath this, you know, this, you know, this, perspectable hamster cage that our that our culture is still running along in and my 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 core to this or my my basic starting point is to just try to midwife a few people that can think and feel and be deeply enough that we begin to live an alternative reality of perception yeah yeah that's beautiful i mean yeah <laughs> paul what about you for healing <laughs> Uh, well, I think uh, one of the common <clears throat> understandings in traditional level of prayer is <clears throat> prayer is asking God to do things, asking God to intervene. What's interesting to me is uh, <clears throat> that uh, uh, when Jesus was healing people, Jesus never asked God to heal them. He just healed them. And uh, Jesus said, if you see a mountain that he needs moving, don't ask God to move it. Move it yourself. So for us, integral prayer is uh, not asking God to do what we can do. And uh, 
we can, from our the mystical energy in our gut, uh, emanate healing. I think that's when when G, when uh, the woman touched Jesus and he said the power went out of me. And that was the rivers of living water flowing from the inner being, or the word gulia in, in Greek, the gut, the womb, uh, flowing out. And we have the same same capacity. And uh, that is if we we'll let the, the mystical magic <laughs> really uh, embrace us. And so uh, we teach people uh, to um, send healing energy to their own bodies and to the bodies of others and to the world and to uh, the cosmos. And I think that's, that's integral prayer. Uh, and uh, that's us, uh, us being God. We, we are made in the image of God and we do God things and Jesus things. And so, so healing like Jesus did would be that owning our, that energy that comes from our heart, that love, loving energy that comes from our gut, that visceral, powerful uh, life force prana or key or whatever we want to call it, and uh, uh, send it out uh, to uh, our body parts and other people and to culture and to institutions and whatever, whatever we can. So, um, that's the, that's the way I, 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 I see prayer and the difference between traditional prayer and, and integral prayer. And there's certainly with integral prayer, a place to, to, to say Jesus to God, help, <laughs> help, um, you know, and, and, uh, to share our needs and so on, uh, but the the, uh, the 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 that's that's the being intimate with one another that that you do in any intimate personal relationship, and so uh, I see the pr- prayer, what we call integral prayer, is that us not asking God to do what we can do, and so we're the not only the feet and hands of God in the world, we're the heart, the gut, the mind, the feet. Uh, uh, the, the, the magic structure, the, the, the mythic structure, uh, all those, all those things were, were that in the world as God, as divine beings. And I, I speak to that a little bit too. It's, it's interesting having been raised as a Christian scientist, uh, the, one of the things that I think that is so wonderfully freeing about Gebser is to say that as there are, you know, four going on now, five mythical or structures of consciousness, uh, each one of them has a prayer, which is completely valid to it. Hmm. And, uh, and since I have to, since I have a foot planted in all structures of consciousness, uh, I can, I can pray out of any level at which I I, you know, at, out of any structure and it's, and it's a valid and beautiful it's expression. It's that room. And uh, I have a good friend who's a Buddhist who told me, you know, he, he started his life as a Presbyterian in Iowa. And he said that, that his moment of real wake up came when he was trying to heal this, this, this 
condition of prayer of that just wouldn't go away by saying fearful thinking, fearful thinking, fearful thinking. And finally, he realized what he needed to do was to get down on his knees by his bed and say, Jesus, help. And, you know, you could call this a reversion to a lesser structure, but I would I would say this, this is what the view looks like. I mean, even in, even in the, you know, that when you get to the, to the integral structure, even the idea that there's a God out there becomes, uh, you know, it's a kind of an oxymoron to be God's hands in the world when, when the notion of God as other has disappeared as you enter this new consciousness. But they, they all kind of uh, coalesce with each other, and they all are enriching paths. Uh, you know, I, I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And I love the me that that uh, that prays that prayer. Yeah. And I, I, I realize that as I do the work that you so beautifully called us to, Paul, of 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 tuning in to the sacred gifts and vital life that flows through each of the regions of the body. That that, in a sense, you don't even have to beam it out in a certain direction. Because just the fact that it's a raised energetic state, it already beams out and finds its own course over the ground, which is what makes the most magical of all. I think where people are what the most wondrous, where people get in trouble with it is when they do try and focus it too narrowly and then they become shamans. Uh, nothing against shamans, but you can your own personal will can get messed up in that and your own personal illusion. Uh, but just to vitalize and to be present and to be a really fully attuned human being in a situation is in and of itself a healing to the world. So, and, and I, I love the fact that you're, you're freeing people from concepts, you know, that, that have so, so exclusively hogtied them that they can't, they can't move beyond reacting to a path which is only one path of the many and myriad pathways of prayer. Hmm. Yeah, beautiful. And, and that that uh, sort of embodying into all of those different forms and levels, you express that so well, is, is that, um, you know, at least maybe a hint of that a perspectival, right? That, that way of, of moving beyond just that one set one you know singular spatial perspective and we, we won't dive into that too fully to, to try and unpack that now because we're we're running out of time but um but it seems like that is in some sense right that growing edge that that again that question of of how do we inhabit all of these in sort of uh beyond the perspective or free from perspectival uh, narrow limitations and and move back into and and recover in a in a transparent way right in a way that that lets us move fully between all of those those rooms so you know in in many ways i think we're both expressing that you're both expressing that in in how this christian mystical path uh, unfolds in this gibsarian integrally informed uh <laughs> movement and uh yeah so just you know if there any any final words on on that unfolding or or maybe what what you see coming next or what do you see paul <laughs> well um one i agree with the 
both uh, Wilbur and Gepser, which is we're at a uh, a crucial transitional time. Something something new is emerging, and uh, I really groove with Gepser saying, "This is this is big time important. This is this is a crucial time in our history," and uh, I, I I I feel that that urgency. And, um, uh, so I, I feel like, uh, Cynthia, what you're doing and what we're doing and, and others in the Christian tradition, uh, to, 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 um, uh, bring when Jesus said, I have much more to teach you, but you're not ready for it. I think he was saying, you know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're not at that place where it can make any sense to you. But, you know, how about 2,000 years later? Surely we are ready for a little more. And I think, you know, you're doing the more and Richard's doing the more and Ken's doing the more and Gebser certainly has. And uh, we desperately need it because we're not going to be able to figure our way out of, uh, of the world's problems uh, by doing more mental gymnastics so I, I'm very excited about uh, what we're doing. And, uh, and also, Cynthia, it's just it's so wonderful to hear your beautiful expressions. Uh, I'm inspired and uh, just that's lovely. And to feel your heart, what a beautiful heart. And uh, this has been a very enriching time for, for me to... Uh, rub shoulders and hearts and guts and heads with you. <laughs> oh, Paul. Well, I mean, my, my, you know, I bow the knee of the heart to, to you at, at, you know, in your eighties coming out of what you come out of with the courage to, to seek and forge your way with with genuine kindness for everyone uh, and with a, a genuine willingness in a pastoral way to help create a, a Christian womb that's big enough for people to be born in. And, uh, and uh, so it's been marvelous work. I, I try to hold myself back from the brink of kind of uh, apocalyptic thinking in any way. I, I can't be absolutely convinced that this is a bigger kind of precipice than any we've sat on in human history. I mean, it may turn out to be just another little bit of the coastline will be up ahead. Uh, I do know that, you know, I, I take the pandemic quite seriously as a stop, Hmm. you know, and, and I really, the, the best thing I've, I've gotten to understand about what, what Gebser means about different kinds of time is that I now know pandemic time. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's a whole different, it's not mensural anymore. The clock doesn't go. And, it, and it's a, it's a depth time. It's really been calling people to, to stay in their own ground and pay attention, pay attention to families they've neglected, pay attention to things beyond the next, uh, date book, the next, the next accomplishment, the next plane ticket, and, and to pause. And I hope we don't uh, waste that pause when we all get back on our feet again. Uh, 
human humanity has come right to the edge of being a metastatic cancer in the planet planetary body and our our pryings and temperings and tamperings where we have no business being uh our our arrogant understand misunderstanding of how small and interwoven a cosmic realm we live in this is it uh and it's not sin that we personally own, it's stupidity sin, but we've been stopped. And unless we wake up, I think we're likely to see something more like what Teilhard, Teilhard's view of history has always been playing in. You know, a, a meteor strikes, a glacier hits, and 10,000 years of human progress and civilization are wiped out. Uh, this could go about this could go all the way back to the geosphere. I don't think it would, but something is going to get cut down until the level of disease has been cut out of the planetary body. And so my 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 prayers and my my thoughts are not so much with this glorious new emergence as they are with uh you know this real remorse of consciousness that we've uh We've inherited so much from these brilliant souls, brilliant teachers, uh, and I'm including I'm including the plants and all cultures of the world and the rocks amongst these brilliant teachers. Uh, and to to throw away something that's been given to us at such precious cost uh, would be the the point the most pointless waste and the most pointless injury to the heart of God. So my, my hope is that we can sober up, wise up, uh, take the hit to our pride and restlessness, and look at each other again and look at our planet uh, with love and amazement and wonder. And that will be enough of an integral emergence for me. Thank you. Hmm. Beautiful. Thank you, Cynthia. And thank you, Paul. What a, what a just wonderful conversation full of, um, just such rich and depthness, depth and, um, yeah, just, just really full. And, uh, thank you. Thank you. Really wonderful. Mm-hmm.